Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. I'm Ian. And on this episode, we are going to discuss games and ideas during playing, thinking, doing. And Ryan, we have a topic. We do. We've got a topic. We're going to be discussing the best bang for your buck games brought to you by Mr. Jonathan Barr of the Bridge City Board Gamers community. Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street in Saskatoon. They're the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Store in Canada, and they were also nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award presented at Comic-Con. Amazing Stories' amazing collection of comic books, board games, puzzles, and collectibles can be found in their store or on their new online website. And welcome back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. Let's talk about what we've been doing recently, playing recently, or thinking about board games recently. So, um, Ryan, I want to hear about this. Sure. So just this past week, I finally went out and played some games with people that were not my wife for once. And so got 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 to go over to Ian's house. Uh, so Ian, his wife, Kim, and then good friend and listener of the show, Lane. We all got in a good game of Power Grid, designed by Friedman Fries, which I believe it's one of his only games that's not labeled with an F, but apparently in German, yes. Power Grid starts with an F. It's an F word, something. Yeah, it's I, Power I, Grid. It's <laughs> Flower Grid. <laughs> Uh, and I believe this copy was the uh, design or was the published by Rio Grande Games edition. Um, so a while back, we talked about games that we wanted to play from each other's collections. Uh, once we got out of this, like, say, start getting out of this pandemic and Saskatchewan is getting into that point. Actually, just this past weekend, they lifted all the restrictions. So anywho, got to go over to Ian's place. I, we were trying to sit around trying to figure out a game to play. And I said... Okay, I'm going to think back to that episode, looking right at it on the shelf. Let's play some Power Grid. I want to learn how to play Power Grid because I have not played Power Grid before. Nice. And so the red-headed Jedi himself taught, uh, taught me. And wow, it's a really cool game. Um, I totally forgot that it was like, uh, that it had auction mechanics. Oh, and of, yeah. course they le- of course, they left the noob. Out to dry. I, I, I oh, didn't. He overspent on everything. It was great. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't realize what the progression of the power plants were going to be. I bet you auction. do now. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I do. Oh, I do now. And of course, like, who's the first? Who's the first person to put something up for auction? And it was me. And I was, we're looking at something. It's 
Alfred and I said, okay, um, $11. And everybody's like, yeah, you can take it. <laughs> I was like, oh, great. This is the way this game is going to go. Anywho, uh, I guess I should talk a little bit about Power Grid and how it works because I'm, all I'm doing is complaining about the auction and they hung me out to dry. But Are you dwelling? Uh, so, uh, so essentially in, the, in Power Grid, you're kind of, you've got to develop a power network by putting down your little houses into different cities. And I believe we played on the German map. I believe yeah, it, we played the, Germany. Yeah, the German map. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's going to cost you X amount of dollars to be the first one to place in the city. I believe it's $10. And then if you want to branch out from there, all the connecting routes have dollar amounts if you want to spend to go out from there. And you also have to buy resources to uh, power your... Power plants. plants. Yeah, what did you think of the way that worked, Ryan? How did you, what, how did you like the economy, was, yeah. the market? Yeah, I I I love fluctuating markets uh, in in games. I, I love it that it's never going to be a set amount. It's always going to be determined by the players by how much they decide to spend. And this one is really kind of cool too because for a while there, you could be the only person interested in a certain <laughs> resource. Yeah. So you kind of like just like, oh, I, I get I can get some I can get things for cheap. But as soon as there started to be competition between players for certain resources, like uh, for a bit there, I was the only one in the nuclear game. Right. And mm-hmm. then Ian came around and then he got a nuclear power plant. And now all of a sudden we're competing to buy those things. And so then I decided, hey, you know what, I'm just going to ditch my nuclear power plant. and got something else. And everything like that. Now, I, that's re- that's a really really cool thing, and I like it. Uh, it's got a really good progression to the game. Mm-hmm. It's got it's, it's yeah. the game's kind of divi- divided into uh, three. I don't know what you call them, but just kind of like three phases. Sets, or, yeah, three phases. And that in the first phase, only one person can build in each city, which is kind of really interesting because in yeah. that first part, you can really uh, be a Richard and block people <laughs> and block people out of places. And then I also realized my big mistake is that I, I just thought I was being clever and building in all the cheap spots, the cheap places, which I realized later that would actually be easier to progress into in the later game because to, to, it's cheaper to expand yeah. afterwards instead of in the early game. There's so, there's so many intricate little things for such a relatively simple game like gameplay wise would you think of the initiative oh right because this is the one where (laughs) where it went with uh if you had the if you were powering the most or you sorry you've built in the most cities you were like um position one on the track but everything most of the stuff like buying the resources and buying and expanding your network uh, went in reverse order yeah so when you're so when you're, if you I were so like I so like totally I was in cool. first, yeah. so I I had jumped out to an early lead. I thought okay, build 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 build. Oh crap! I'm always last for the longest time. I was last in buying the resources. Which, which don't get me wrong. I, yeah. I think I I think I was handling myself okay for the most game. I, like there's there's a lot of math involved in this game, like max minning, and what are you going to spend on resources and when and how much money am I, am I going to expand this turn? How many power plants am I going to be able to power this turn? Because however many power plants you can um, supply power to gets you income at the end of the round. 
which I thought also was really neat. So you get kind of like balance yeah. and budget your money really good. Like if I spend this on resources, but I'm going to get this back and from powering, what am I, what's my net um, dollar amount? Really cool. I really enjoyed it. Really, really That's enjoyed good. it. Here's a question for Ian about Ryan's game. Uh, did he grok it pretty quick? Uh, yeah, he got on pretty quick. The auctions, he was overpaying, but not really. Like <laughs> Enough to scare you guys off or enough to go, ah, yeah, no, that's yours. But then, yeah, then again, my wife is a little stubborn with those things. So whenever <laughs> she'd get in a bid with her, she, she'd be like, oh, I don't want him to get it. So she'd keep bidding him up. And Yeah. 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 And, 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 I, and of course, in a good auction, I never know when to stop. I'm like, <laughs> no, no, it's mine. <laughs> I, 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 I've, I've peed on that card. You've I got Daffy Duck syndrome. <laughs> mine, 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 mine. <laughs> cool. Anyway, really, really fun game. Um, it went on a little bit longer than I thought a game of Power Grid usually yeah, takes. But it can be a long game. Yeah. But I don't know if that changes with if you have more players, if, if, if it shortens or lengthens. Because we were playing four player. The board tightens up, though. I remember we mm-hmm. played three player and the board tightens up to account for that. So... I th- but I, th- but I mean, I remember it the being long, um, but not uninteresting. But the but the player for the for the first phase, yeah. the players dictate how long that's yeah. going to be. Yeah, right. Because uh, because it's a race to whoever builds the fir- the seventh their seventh city, then that progresses into the second phase. Then the next phase is dictated by um, the, the auction plants. cards, yeah. Yeah. the power plant cards. Cool. Really good game. I I I highly enjoyed it. I would. Um, agree with Lane's assessment that he said this was his like next step next after like a ticket to ride. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to like say like ticket to ride with an economy. Have you bought it yet? Maybe may, may to it. Have you bought it yet? No. Is it in your cart? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Here, here's the thing though. <laughs> you go and look, you go look on a, like a website uh, about power grid and there's like, a million and one expansions. Yeah. And every, everybody knows that I have a problem with acquiring <laughs> expansions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at, at least I can, I, at least I would be able to swallow it a little bit because a lot of these expansions are maps. Just like, yeah, like pretty much all of them are, yeah. 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 But I, I, I do like, there are some other ones there that, that are like not map like expansions. So those would be ones that I would probably gravitate, but I have not put anything in a cart yet. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. It's not an overly yeah. expensive game either. No. I, I we should talk about that, that later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. I like that. Cool. Uh, who, who wants, do you want me to go next, Ian, or do you want to sure, go next? Sure, go for it. Okay. Uh, I'm going to talk about, and, and you know, it's interesting because uh, uh, I'm not too sure how many people know that all three of us are from uh, uh, a place in Canada called Saskatchewan. And uh, historically speaking, uh, the, our, our geography is tied to the event in this game. And this is High Treason, The Trial of Louis Riel. And uh, it was designed by Alex Berry and published by Victory Point Games. Uh, and uh, I mean, f- without talking about the theme yet, let's get to uh, what this, how this game works. And it's, it's driven on, uh, I always like to say, uh, the GMT special, that card-driven game system, right? where there's a value on the card or there's an event on the card and you have to do one of the other. And uh, so uh, this game uses that system and there are uh, individuals that you have to 
influence and and in the game these are the jurors there are tracks that you need to to have a push-pull game because one side is the prosecution and one side is the defense um, there are also um, uh, evidence and uh, like the, the pleas there's a plea track evidence and insanity so you've got these zones that you're uh, having a push-pull contest with and there's uh, like a, and it's interesting how thematically speaking the stages in the game um, tie into the thematic nature of a court proceeding and what was uh, what first of all I mean I'm the theme I'm a history teacher so the theme right away I mean I teach this in uh, in in school uh, the Northwest Rebellion and Louis Riel and 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 Batoche and uh, and of course the the ultimate result of uh, this event and uh, but what's unique to this is that it I believe and I'm going to make a conjecture statement here but I did my research it is the only federal court case uh, like ever that had only a six-member jury and uh, Alex Berry is a I think he's a lawyer in the states and that's what he's a big gamer and that's what drew him to I think this thematic moment was was that uniqueness of the of the six juror, uh, six member jury, and so yeah, let's dive into the theme. So yes, uh, Louis Riel's on uh, on trial for treason, and it is uh, it is prosecution against defense. And you have to start twelve um, in the first phase. You have these jurors that here's the cool part: the jurors connect with the push pull tracks, and they're they're defined in um, uh, uh, occupation. Um, religion and language and of course it's french english catholic protestant and in the occupations it's farmer merchant or uh, a, a government worker and the jurors have these hidden chits in those in those three domains to identify what kind of you know they're an english speaking you know catholic who is a farmer now at the end of the game how that works is at the end of the game you're going to uh, total up the points uh, represented by this juror, the juror's Catholic, uh, uh, um, French-speaking, and a farmer. You'd look on that on that graph of either one to ten, and uh, the ultimate goal is for prosecution to have more than a hundred points, and the ultimate goal for the defense is to have below a hundred points, and uh, that's how you, that's the algorithm to determine your 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 score value. How you play this whole game is in these cards, which are so uh, narratively deliciously researched in regards to who these people are and how they affect the proceedings. And I, I mean, I, I think I might want to do a good review on this because um, the thematic and mechanical connection with this plugs so elegantly together. Um, so this is, yeah, uh, uh, Ryan, this is Al. Uh, Al and I played this, and the interesting, funny connection is Al was Ryan's history teacher. Mm-hmm. And so you know how fired up, pumped Al is when he can find something that engages to a deeper level, you know, of that, of that you know, higher levels of thinking. Um, so, yeah, we had so much fun with this one, and we're probably going to play it more and more because it's one of those games that repetition... Uh, assists yeah. uh, uh, developing a deep strategy, right? I mean, yeah. Like, the, to me, it reminds me of, 
of uh, like some Carl Chuddick games where you just have to like know the cards and then it's like, oh, this is what I have in my hand. This is how I can use it. Right. So, uh, yeah, yeah very, I'm a very big ally, fan of like, this game. Very ally, like a Twilight Struggle or a yeah. Watergate. Yeah. Yeah. With understanding that I think there's like five phases and each phase represents the stage, you know, summation and and. And I mean, jury selection. I mean, all those. Uh, I got those in reverse order, so any you know, <laughs> any law students <laughs> were like, "Dude, come on, get it straight, please." Um, but it thematically follows the game system in regards to phases, mechanical phases of the game, connecting to the thematic nature of uh, how they relate to each other. And uh, like like a Twilight Struggle that you mentioned, sometimes you'll get a card. That that its event benefits the other side. Like if I'm if I'm defense, I'll have a card that is all about uh, prosecution. So I'll just look in the top corner and go, how many action points can I get out of this guy, right? Like so, there's never really um, a situation where you have no options. You always have a choice. It might not be the most optimal, but considering the hand that you have in that stage of the game. Uh, there's some great, like like Watergate. There's some great tactical choices that you can make. So I love. I'm digging this game. Speaking of, right? It's it's variability will allow me to play this and not have the same situation happen, right? All the all the nice. randomness of the setups and the jurors and oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm I, I'm f- this top shelf already. And this isn't even a review. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Is it is it one you could uh, have your students play to learn a little bit more? Like, is it that kind of a well? That's look that's into the our, theme, or that's our initial motivation is to look at a lot of these uh, um, history or social studies games and go, how can I, you know, cardboard in the classroom? How can I bring this in the classroom and structure, uh, uh, you know, some sort of project or uh, um, you know, uh, exit slip? Like, you know, how did this help you? you know bridge the the knowledge so that's what i mean first of all i'm having fun just playing with with other human beings in the same room so but yeah ultimately it's it's for us to generate a uh, instructional design dialogue on how how we can bring this into a classroom setting so yeah nice nice so without getting too nerdy let's get into some superheroes ian I played Marvel Champions again, which Woo. I think this is only the third time I've played right it so on. far. And it's it's starting to click for me. Like cool. the first couple oh. times we played it, I was, you know, still not quite sure on the rules. I wasn't sure we were doing things right. I wasn't really sure how the game flowed, but this time it was really starting to come together. We played with the Green Goblin expansion, which is a couple of different scenarios yeah. all that have involve around him. And so we decided to play with, uh, obviously, gotta go Spider-Man. He's one of <laughs> yeah. the heroes, right, if you're doing Green Goblin. And uh, Captain America was the other hero that we used. And I don't, how long do your games usually take from Champions? Hmm. Okay, so in the beginning, uh, two-player games would probably take about an hour. Okay. I would, I would say, say two-player games take about an hour. Now, probably about 40, like half an hour to 45 minutes. But yeah, I remember my earlier ones were like, and that was just because of the constant like rule refreshing until yeah. you like, until, until it starts 
becoming second nature and you know what the text on the cards do. Yeah, it definitely took us longer than that. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it, it all, it's, this is, it's almost like a, I feel like it's one of those escape game situations where the longer it takes, the worse you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that might be it? Because, I don't know, it, took, it felt like it was taking us forever to, to, to beat down the Green Goblin. Because he has this thing where when he's in Norman Osborn form, uh, his company gets stronger and the stronger they get. But you can only you can only beat him if he's in Green Goblin form, right? Yeah. So you got to beat down his company. Well, there were times where his company was just getting so powerful, it was taking us forever just to get him to change to the Goblin. I've gotten um, myself into those games before. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it felt like it took us forever. But eventually we did it. The Spider-Man had to die, but uh, Captain uh, avenged him. And Lane, Lane was a... Uh, our longtime listener Lane, he was the Captain America, and he got these really cool cards where he could like actually assemble the Avengers. And he had a couple turns there where he had like a full roster of Avengers, <laughs> like Hawkeye and and everybody was. And then they just attack, and he had these massive turns, and that was pretty cool. I, I like that he was able to do that. And meanwhile, I'm just a Spider Man doing the best that I can all by myself. <laughs> you, you're a teenager, right? <laughs> I remember. I remember early in the game, I would always call Captain America Captain Overpowered because he, he he just he just seems like he's he's a he is a what we would call in the card game um, world here. He's a top tier um, hero. Like decks that you can build around Captain America and his signature cards are very good like like overall and i think his basic one i think he comes with the leadership um, the the, the blue cards yeah Yeah. the the leadership and leadership at least in my opinion is one of the stronger traits of the Mm -hmm. game yeah like i have a doctor strange leadership deck which if you think captain america is overpowered doctor (laughs) strange is super overpowered you love that (laughs) deck I haven't lost a game you're, with it you're yet. In love with that deck. <laughs> I've, I've, I haven't lost a game with it yet, so uh, might have to try that out with you, Ian, and see if we. Doctor Strange Hulk is that your favorite combo? Oh my gosh, that was so much fun <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> Doctor Strange, but except for I didn't have Doctor Strange with leadership. I had Doctor Strange with protection, so he just protected the Hulk while the Hulk just did like massive amounts of damage. Cool. <laughs> there you go. So, did but, Ian? Did you have a chance to play the other uh, the other campaign in that? And that uh, villain... No, this one took too long. (laughs) (laughs) So no, we have only played the first scenario yet. But there's another one where... This one was all about the business side of of Norman Osborn. The Mm -hmm. other one is actually like uh, more of the goblin side from what I can tell. So yeah, I'll be interested to try that one out. Right on. Cool. So so if we're going to transition into maybe our topic... (laughs) Um, the green goblin scenario pack i believe has the better value out of all of the like if you're just going to buy a scenario pack well you you get the you get two scenarios the other the other ones you don't get two scenarios true but i was gonna say the wrecking crew though you've got like a crew that? Yeah, but the rec- the wrecking crew is too easy. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> they're too they're too easy. Yeah, and Ian's thinking, hey, thanks for burning my time on my segment, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That's about all I have to say about it, really. I am excited to try out some more Marvel Champions, though. Now that it's, I'm getting the flow of it a little bit better. Now that we can play in public together, 
Yeah. Yay. And of course, we've met our Marvel Champions quota for an episode of Cardboard Conjecture, so we're all good. <laughs> this episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Dragon's Den Games, located in the Louis VIII Mall on H Street in Saskatoon. Swing by Dragon's Den Games and let Darren, Al, and the awesome staff help you out in search for great board games, role-playing games, miniature systems, and all of the related accessories. Be a part of their gaming communities that have scheduled events in their great gaming area. Dragon's Den Games, Louis VIII Mall on H Street in Saskatoon. Welcome back to Cardboard Conjecture. We are going into our topic, and uh, I'll intro the topic and uh, pass it off to uh, to Ryan. So the topic, as mentioned at the top of the show, is the best bang for your buck. So what does it mean to get the best value or worth from your money and your time when you purchase or play board games? So, so Ryan, first of all, why are we here with this topic? So I put a poll out or I, I, I sorry not, poll was not the correct word but I just kind of put out a contest survey, yeah. <laughs> survey a contest out into the Bridge City Board Gamers Facebook community and other in other places like our discord channel um, asking people hey what would you like us to talk about and I kind of put it in the framework that we're faster we're, we're approaching 100 episodes Norm Ian and I's creativity is like we, we've only got so much in the bank <laughs> left for topics right at, at the at the moment we've we have a few the red bulls still, wearing down <laughs> yeah we've got a few still banked but uh we're starting to run thin on that so i said hey why not i got some of these gift cards for our local businesses um let's hold a contest see what people want us to talk about and if we pick your topic you're going to win a 20 dollars gift card to dragon's den uh dragon's den games so we put an initial poll and we got about i think we got about 15 responses off the initial um push here so we selected Jonathan Barr's um, suggest, uh, suggestion. So congratulations, Jonathan. I'll be getting a hold of you very, very shortly to get you your gift card for, uh, for Dragon's Den. And yeah, so he suggested talk about the best bang for your buck. And for me, that one kind of resonated yeah. a little bit because we're in a time right now, it's actually kind of timely, um, that prices for things are going up. Uh, and then there's very there's lots of various factors for things like for things like that. So I thought we'd just talk about and talk about value in games. What do we value when we buy something? What and so what are some of these ideas and what are some of these games that you get a lot out of for not spending very much money? Maybe right. Ian, get us started on this. Okay, so when when we're thinking of the idea of does a game have uh, good value or not? I guess there's a few ways we can think about this. So, and when I was kind of thinking through this this weekend, I was thinking, okay, so if I was to say which games have good value, what does that mean? Is that do I have to look at the price compared to what's in the box? Do I have to, am I only looking at games under a certain amount? Like are only games that are mm-hmm. under $30 considered good value? Um, or is it like, how often you play the game that gives it value. Uh, So let's just try to think about what does that mean to us? What does that question mean to us? How do, what defines a good value for us when we're talking about board games? What do you guys think? Well, I mean, I'm going to jump in right away. 
for me, sometimes value doesn't equal price. Sometimes value equals what I get from this game, what it offers me, what it repeats, what 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 it has the when it has the ability to uh, um, give me more repetition of plays with a different feel, different experience. So I think that's what I'm saying is is sometimes value isn't price, maybe value is experience, and uh, so um, yeah. So what you, so what you're trying to say is um, maybe we start. What's the least amount of money that I can spend on something, but I'm still going to get like a lot of plays out of it? Is that what you're trying to go for? Because he's because he's talking about best bang yeah. for your buck. So well, I said, see that. Yeah, the yeah, obvious. Yeah. But, yeah, the obvious thing for me is like is like what's a good game for a small price that you get a lot of game out of it? I mean, yeah, straightforward. I mean, there's uh, before we get into naming games. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, that's my initial uh, reaction to this is the best price point for the for the game that you get I right guess. and i think that where you're at is a good starting point for this norm because okay let's come up with a scenario we've got two games that are both yeah. 50 dollars yeah one you've played three times and one you've played 30 times yeah at that point i think it's pretty clear which one has the better value yeah. for us right yeah and so i think we can kind of use that as a as a good jumping off point yeah because and and we got to be tricky it's it's tricky about that too because um for myself, uh, speaking for, out of the three of us, I've got the largest collection of of games, and there's probably going to be games there that I have played. That let's just say um, Terraforming Mars. Um, I haven't played Terraforming Mars a lot. I like the game. I haven't played it a lot. It cost a lot of money at the at the beginning. And so right now my let's just say my dollars per play, <laughs> I'm I'm not getting good value out of that game. Yeah. But let's okay. just say I'm gonna I'm gonna name drop from the community because he'll love this Hans from our Bridge City Board Gamer community. He plays Terraforming Mars like multiple times a week. Yeah, like he's probably into the hundreds of plays. Probably at this point, he'll probably correct me on that. He's getting great value out of that out of, out of that game for what he for what he probably spent on it. So like for me, I'm probably not going to suggest Terraforming Mars as a best bang for your buck type of game. Yeah. Hans that's, might. That's interesting you use that metric because I use that metric. I use the metric a lot uh, of a movie theater, right? Uh, it costs so much money to go see a movie. And if you even including the popcorn, right? The experience, right? The, 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 the junk food that you get. Um, if I can have my board game have, you know, like Brian said, the number of plays divided by how much it costs. If I can have that number below a movie, I'm a happy guy. <laughs> okay, I, I gotta I gotta ask this because the movie thing gets brought up a lot. Why is that the standard? Why are we saying that movie is the entertainment standard? Well, I mean, it's an hour and a half, right? Like a board game. Yeah. Um, and uh, you're 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 participating with other people. I mean, I could see where because you're a big movie guy. Where I could right. see it's like get, explain this to me because you're crossing into you know forbidden waters. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, to me, I think it's that whole idea of, of you're sitting down, you're taking time out for a particular thing that requires your attention. And, and the interval of time to me is similar. So, you know, I would say that. I've also used the, the metric with my two brothers who are big golf guys who've looked at mm-hmm. my collection yeah. and go, whoa, we'll look at this. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. 
how much are green fees? Well, sometimes they're, you know, 60 to a hundred dollars. I'm like, okay, well, how many, how many games of golf do you play in a year? Oh, probably 40. I'm like, okay, I can go back. I've already paid these green fees. I can go back to them. Right. I mean, I use that. My game is a green fee. And once they understood that, you know, parallel, they kind of went, oh yeah. Okay. Sure. I get it. Yeah, that makes our game sound even better because golf is oh, way yeah. more expensive. Or you can even compare it to a, a rock concert, like a hundred dollars oh, yeah. a ticket <laughs> for one yeah. night. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Ask my brother how much did you pay for that putter? Yeah, that's this whole section okay. of my board games. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. So Jonathan, you're in the right hobby for you're you're in the right bang for your buck hobby. <laughs> board board games are offering you a better value. Well, say I don't know some. about that yet, but it's, <laughs> they're still pretty expensive. <laughs> Based on our examples that we've given you, which are pretty limited. But I think I like the fact that you, we can play them again and again and again, where it's like, yeah. you know, you can only go see, a, you know, have that movie experience a, once. But do we play then, them again and again? That's what we ah, got to ask ourselves, right? That's, this is, that's the big topic. That's the big topic because there's like people like Ryan, that have the massive collection may play his games a few times each. Then they sit there for probably a while before they ever come back out again. Whereas a person with a smaller collection of games, um, those are going to get the repeated yeah. plays depending on, well, also depending on circumstances of whether or not they're playing if, if they are playing regularly. So, Oh so boy. Okay. So, you, so we haven't answered anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we're, we're, we're fleshing out the, our perspective of what, what yeah. it really means. Right. Yeah. So, um, so, there's but one, right, so right. So right now we're saying, um, obviously a factor is the number of times you're going to get it played. I think yeah. it's a factor. Yeah. Cause I think yeah. if you okay. look at that, like seven wonders, if I'm looking at an hourly, whatever, or every, I'm probably at like 50 cents. It costs me 50 cents for a play of Seven Wonders at this point. You're at 50 cents per game right? now. <laughs> like, That's an excellent Yeah, it's rate. huge value. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But if, I don't if think you, it's if you the get only that thing. price. If, yeah, if you get that price of dollar per play under a dollar. <laughs> yeah, then you're doing pretty good. <laughs> you're yeah. doing pretty good. And you've worn out your cards. Yeah. But, but then there's the idea of what is actually in the box. Like what are you mm-hmm. physically what, getting? What are you, what are you getting? Guys, yeah. What do you guys think? Well, See, it, so when we, when we get to this metric... Um, I think we we tend to clump games into like similar categories. Um, we I have a I'm doing a semi regularly um, topic called Kickstarter Excess and Value with the Meeple Dungeon and Dice and Dragons on Dice and Dragons YouTube channel, where we're looking at these big Kickstarter campaigns and saying, is this too much or is there actually value? Yes. Yeah, no, too it, much. And, it's too yeah. much. Yeah, <laughs> the answer is yes. I'm not All making time, my position yes. clear. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like uh, a good example for me here, where a game had value based on other metrics of games. Learned, um, Mechs versus Minions when it came out, um, this gigantic coffin-sized box of miniatures and cards and pre-painted yeah. miniatures and everything like that, and you could get that game for seventy dollars. Where a similar game at the same at at, at the at the time, like I at the time yeah. you're paying a hundred, 150 like, like yeah. base with, without painted miniatures, maybe not even have miniatures at all. Yeah. There were a few things thing. I heard about that too, is that the company might have did this for a loss because they're a video game company originally, isn't it? And they, this was like a passion project, but you're absolutely right. Their, their MSRP was 
was ridiculously lower than everybody thought it should be. So mm-hmm. everybody was was saying, go get this game strictly on the fact that it is, for what it is, you're getting way more than what you're spending. And to boot, it was actually a really good game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In, in, in the end, too. I, um, I, like, th- I like that idea of, of uh, you know, are you getting what you're paying for? That's that's a good threat. That's a good thought to keep going on. Because we tend to see two games with a lot of games with a lot of cardboard inside of it. Yeah. The, they they tend to do rack up the price point a, a, a little bit. Um, a la Uwe Rosenberg's A Feast for Odin. Big box. Yeah. Lots yeah. and lots of cardboard and lots of things that you have to punch out and lots of heavy chunky wooden bits and stuff like that. Uh, the price point of that game, I think, is like is is around like ninety to one hundred dollars. Yeah, like that. Do you feel you're getting what you pay for? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> well, we'll go okay. pay for cardboard. Yeah, yeah, I pretty much pay for cardboard, and probably a lot of the other things that we don't see that goes into making that game yeah. is what yeah. made that price. But I'm not going to consider Feast for Odin a, a bang for your buck uh, type of game. The gameplay is way too long. Yeah, um, you're not the the rules overhead in the initial learning. Like okay. It doesn't have good cognitive load to it. Yeah. All right. Man, I don't know. Is that where you're getting at, Ian? Um, yeah, I think so. Like, I'll be honest. Personally, if I want a game, I'm not too worried about what the price is. Like, yeah. Food Chain Magnate is like $120, which is ridiculous for that game. Be- I don't know where the money's going, but it's got... Basically little wooden <laughs> bits for pizzas and hamburgers. And then it's got some pretty awesome artwork. So probably most of it goes to the artwork. But I think a lot of it actually goes into just the design process. Um, but still, if you compare it to other similar games like that, $120. Yeah. And this yeah. was a few yeah. years ago that I paid this. Yeah, It's probably more, quite a bit more now. But, but he- I wanted it, so I just, whatever, I just bought it. Here's a context that that whoever's listening should know is that you have, out of all three of us, you have the smallest collection. So when you do your research, you're precise. You've 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 um, bounced that idea around for a while. I think that's right. what, that's the impression I'm getting. But I never put price into that. Yeah, I decide if I want the game, and the yeah. price doesn't matter. Once I, once yeah. I decide I want a game, I'll yeah, I'll, I'll get it. But you're you're yeah. not you're not thinking. What's the what's the, what's the how many plays am I going to get out of this and divide that by the price and Does it oh yeah. interest me? No, somebody can offer me a five dollar game and if it's, it looks like a game I don't want, no. Yeah. <laughs> but if they offer me the same in the same in the same deal, a hundred dollar game, but it's a game I want, yeah. This episode is proudly supported by the amazing team at Breakout Escape and Board Game Lounge from right here in Saskatoon. Using industry-leading technology, Breakout Escapes escape rooms are all 100% uniquely designed by the team, ensuring their patrons have maximum fun while staying safe. As well, they are a fully licensed board game lounge with over 400 titles to select from to ensure fun for every gamer new and experienced. Be sure to check them out at BreakoutSask.com. At Breakout Escapes and Game Lounge, they believe that life is more fun when you play games. Um, do you guys associate uh, creativity and ingenuity uh, in the idea of of kind of a bang for your buck? Like uh, the the company, uh, it's not coming to me right away. That does uh, um, Destinies and 
is it Lucky, Lucky Duck Games? Yeah, Lucky Duck Games. Yeah, um, they're they're pres- they're they're delivering uh, an interpretation of of board games differently than any, everybody else with their with their QR code uh, driven system. Is is that kind of a you know yet an interesting bang for your buck out of a, 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 a new idea or a new technique or a new interpretation? Like the ingenuity kind of, part. Which is kind of an interesting thing because um, I was always, I'm telling people when I visit like um, the stores and I see people looking at Destinies and I caught myself saying this, this phrase, I said, what you get in that base game, there is tremendous value. And I've caught myself uh, actually saying, saying that word. And why I'm saying that is because I'm looking at similar type of games, say um, Journeys in Middle Earth by Fantasy Flight Games. Yeah. $100 plus game. Yeah. And this Destiny's game is offering a very similar type of experience with miniatures and dual layer player boards and lots of fancy components and technology yeah. inside the game. And it's like $45, $50. Type, really? Type, type okay. of game. Okay, I, I'm going to go shopping after we're done this episode. <laughs> and so um, I'm, I keep saying because I know I've been saying that, that Destiny's had value. Because I have the context of like, oh, I've played other similar games to this. And this is giving a very similar experience, similar types of components, yeah. everything, at a much cheaper and price point. I have Chronicles of Crime. And what I love about that is the downloadable um, uh, scenarios that, uh, that you've either paid for or that are just free to download. And you load it up and you, you, you know, they tell you what cards to pull out and you... Yeah, I, I, I'm, but, but I'm going to contract, but I wouldn't say Destiny's is a good bang for your buck game. It's because once you've played the scenarios, you've played the scenarios. Yeah. You're not you're most likely never going to go back to them again. Right. Well, it's the same, the same idea with Legacy. Like Legacy, let's be honest, I don't know how good are they for bang for your buck games. <laughs> but right. then that's what I was talking about, experience. Did it there, give there's you the experience. Yeah. an experience where you're like, I, you know what? Out of all these games that are of this nature, this is the best, right? You, you, if you've spent this much time, like I'd sooner spend that much time on a game that took me through a roller coaster of of you know experience rather than uh, like again I don't want to poo poo on it, but Charterstone it it's like took five games for anything interesting to happen. So I'm thinking, whoa, that that's I mean. You could give, you could, I could buy this for 15 bucks and I still wouldn't I'd say it was great bang which for your inter- buck. Yeah, which is interesting. You're talking about from the experience point, but then from the game, from the game and production value, production point, Charterstone has better value out of any, all the, out of all the legacy yeah, games. Yeah, about you, what you it, get, what you pay for. But to yeah, me, you, the experience you get the fancy, like you get the fancy meeples, you get the metal coins, the tuck boxes and everything yeah. like that way you can organize everything but the experience and you're, and, and you're going to get 12 yeah. and you're going to get 12 games out of it for like 60 for it's i think it's a 60 dollar yeah. 60 dollar game but even I pandemic it. like yeah. pandemic is most people would agree that pandemic legacy is one of the better game experiences they can mm-hmm. have especially compared to legacy but it's interesting because you have to you have to weigh it into an experience that you're going to have and that's it because once you're done the actual value in that game now is zero, right? When yeah. you're when you're done the legacy, it's mm-hmm. it's just a bunch of cardboard at that point. It can't be done. Nothing can be done with it. So, <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting idea of 
well, does that game still have value based <laughs> on your past experience? I don't yeah. know. Like, I honestly don't know. The que- that's a subjective. It's more of a rhetorical question, I guess. I don't know that there's an answer. What's the What's the sound of one hand clapping? <laughs> oh, I, I, I feel like a future topic here is just going to be us talking about just gaming value. Not necessarily. We still, we still. I really think that's what this the, is turning into. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, bang for Which your buck. It's like I said. But it was great. We, we're not really determining, or not where value can be subjectively interpreted, right? Mm-hmm. So, cool. Okay. Do, so, are we moving I, on to like games now, or do we still want to punch up some ideas? I, I just can I just add this interesting idea? Of course. Because you yeah. brought up the movie thing, Norm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking, okay, so we're thinking games are usually more expensive when they have more stuff in the box, when they have more production, right? Yeah. Um, You even brought up the idea of uh, do you pay more if something's got creativity or or innovative ideas in there? Yeah. When you go to see a movie, the price for the movie is the price for the movie. It doesn't matter what the budget of the movie is. It doesn't matter if it's a better movie than what the last movie that you saw. I just think that's interesting. But, but the, the monetization but the structure is different. Absolutely. Yeah, but the price the, the price the price is set by the movie yeah. theater. Yeah, they're yeah. they're doing to. volume now, right? Their profit comes through volume. Yeah, yeah. Rather than rather than because uh, on the same uh, on the know, same weekend on the, on the same weekend I can go to Cineplex downtown, VIP, whatever spend whatever, or I could go to op- opposite side of town Landmark at four in the afternoon get the exact same movie but i've but there those people are paying completely different prices for yeah, the yes. exact same experience yeah that's true well but i don't know i, I, I don't know how that stuff, i don't know how that relates to the board I'd like game to, I'd, I'd sooner watch a movie in a lazy boy recliner that shakes as you know as uh matt damon's rockets taken off the uh, off of uh yeah mars or something so um yeah i mean it's but subjective Absolutely. I, but let's throw this out there what do you guys think? And there's no way this is ever going to happen, but just as a yeah. theoretical, what if you think that board games are $50, period? No matter yeah. what it is, it's $50. What? And every board game is $50. Well, interesting that you That'll throw be a that weird out there because, world, hey? because I believe Prospero Hall and Funko Games are trying to hit that model because there's a whole series that they have that are the same size like as far as physical dimensions go it's this size of box fit this kind of game into it and this is the price for all of these that that i mean that's what they're trying to develop and and when we talk about uh, some specific games i'll be coming back to this one we'll put a pin in that so i think oh. that there is a company trying to use or implement that methodology and mm-hmm. and say okay Here's the price point. Now we're making ga- now we're designing towards that price point. Right. Just to just to be clear, I don't know if that's I don't think that's a good idea, but I just think well, it would be, well, I, it would I would, be an I would interesting rather, idea, yeah. It's I would rather pay fifty yeah. I'd rather pay fifty dollars for my Twilight Imperium than what I actually paid. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. Kingdom by the Death. way, by the way, Twilight Imperium is not a bang for your buck type of game. No. I was going to say Kingdom Death Monster for 50 bucks. But it would be interesting to think, like, would we get ripped off? Would the companies, if that's the case, if they're not going more than $50, are they just going to give us the bare minimum? Or are they going to try to one-up each other? How much can they give you for that $50 value? I, 
because movies still up the budget right they're you know what people are still going to pay but they want more people to pay and so they're trying to give them a better value i think it could be it would be an interesting experiment that will never happen but (laughs) it would be interesting i I, I like i like it though i really really i really think so it Anyway, I mean, they're not. Or, so. or you know what? Or or you could implement that 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 monetization structure that Apple has, where there's there's uh, a, you know stage one. There's a certain price, and if you want a big power, more powerful, here's the price category that you're well, going to be paying. Oh, not, if you want not, a high end, here's the price category. So maybe um, they have categorizations. Sort of Kickstarter is though, right? Yeah. But that, I was to say that's that's Kickstarter. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. So okay, well then we have that. Ca- yeah, no, but that's what I mean. Coming to, I have a little note for myself saying, uh, in this idea of games of that type, what's the best bang for the buck of games of that type, right? So, with all these dungeon divers and all these miniature games, I have a, a suggestion of, if you want to get into this style of game, this is the best bang for your buck. It's a, I mean, it's it's over fifty dollars, but in that genre of games, the the hopefully the the one that I that I present to us you'll go yeah i can see what you're where you're coming from right well let's let's start that off uh, what well, are our well, best I, I, okay well games i'll let me jump in I, I prefaced it so i had this idea of in this area this is the best <clears throat> bang for your buck game and in the area of the miniatures dungeon divers i thought descent second edition for 85 dollars canadian was a really good bang for your buck uh, kind of game system because it is it has the solo computer play where it has different campaigns. Um, it's I mean the the other end of that spectrum is Kingdom Death Monster and that's like what five hundred dollars if you can find a copy right. No, you're talking about no, it's like five thousand dollars. No, but you know what I'm saying, right? It's like yeah. that that spectrum of of category of games. If you don't know what you want to get into, I would say, and you're like ah, I want to try it out. That that's a great bang for your buck game because, I mean, you could you could sell it for, for you know, if you don't like it, you could sell it because it's always an in demand, uh, a game uh, in itself. Because I think they did or just finished doing a reprinting of it, or there's a new Kickstarter coming out or something. But yeah, you bring up Kingdom Death Monster does actually add another idea. Does the name of the game add more value? Because if so, Kingdom Death Monster is worth like fifty cents. Because that is one of the worst game names I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> well, I mean, there's that's the marketing hype too, right? Well, well, I think no, I'm, I'm the only one do, who I'm, pays for ex, extra I'm, for I'm, good uh, names. I'm, I'm going to do one better for I'm going to do one for better for Ian because there's actually a colon in there. It's Kingdom Death colon Monster. Monster, yeah, just yeah. awful. So, and then I think there's another subtitle. So okay, I'm so, going to yeah, count. Ryan, I'm going to I'm going to counter I'm going to counter Norm's offer. Okay. So he went. He went dungeon crawl, best bang for your buck. I have a dungeon crawl on here that's even a. I say gives Ooh. you even better value. It doesn't have the fancy app and stuff like that, but Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. Yeah, yeah. Is a. I would say a great value. It's about fifty dollars. It's around that fifty dollar price point. Maybe. It, Depending if you buy it retail or you buy it online, it's going to fluctuate by about ten to fifteen dollars. But the amount of gameplay you're going to get out of that, and the amount of components you get in there, I think gives you great value for a dungeon crawl experience. I'm not going to argue that at all. And and it's also streamlined too. It takes the big Gloomhaven and streamlines streamlines it down, 
and makes it a much more manageable experience um, as well. So I that, that was mine that I had under the dungeon yeah. crawl category. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking up online here and it's uh, I've sold out right now, but it's uh, around 50 bucks Canadian. Yeah, yeah so that's a and you get minis too, so that's a so, great. And, and that, that that's not that's my bet. That's not my best example, but it is that if you want to take a look at the dungeon crawl category. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm if you want to Gloomhaven, take that next step, then go get the Gloomhaven big box. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which we could have another discussion about that Gloomhaven big box of around one hundred and fifty dollars is a lifestyle game. Like when you buy Gloomhaven, like yeah. quite typically, these people are going to be playing just Gloomhaven for the next little while. Yeah, and the amount of stuff you got, but we're, we, yeah, we but divulge. Most people don't do that. <laughs> yeah, because they no, got too they many don't. games. Yeah. yeah, Ian, what do you got? Okay, I'm going cheaper. I'm going way cheaper. So when I'm thinking <laughs> best bang for your buck, I'm I'm always looking under fifty bucks. Yeah, mm-hmm. and That's a good I'm threshold. also thinking about the possibility for how often you're going to play it. And one that comes up for me is for sale. Oh, yeah. Which I have I, that on my list, yeah. Uh, is $28. Now, it's a small box. All it is is cards. But it's one of those games that you can play in 15 minutes that you can just play here, there, and everywhere. You can, you're can. you like, hey, we're kind of done our game night. Don't really want to go home just yet. Yeah. Oh, a 15-minute game is a great way to end the night. Or we're waiting for a few more people. We got a little bit of time. Let's run for sale. And it's a game you can play a lot. And it's a game you can get almost anybody into because it's you, it's one of those games you can teach as you're playing it pretty much. Yeah. You can teach yeah. on the fly and people understand it. It's auctioning and and uh, and bidding and people get that right away. So you can play it with pretty much anybody. Yeah. It's one of those games that's easy to understand, easy to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would make a point here, too. I think a lot of these card games that we have mentioned on the show in the past um, fit the best bang for oh, yeah. the buck mold really, really good. Like yeah. a one yeah. that I had, I'm not going to talk about it in depth or anything. Sushi Go is a, is a, is a I would, yeah. would, would yeah. be a great bang for your buck card game. Yeah. It's so one, easy to get into. One that I have, I'll follow up that one as well is, uh, is a, be- a good bang for your buck card game is Bonanza. It's like 20 yeah. bucks. And I have played, and it plays one to, uh, was eight. it one to seven or eight or something? Two to seven, right? Two to What's seven. What's it one? No. Two to seven. And uh, yeah, I mean, just like you, Ian, just like you said, for sale, it's one of those things where, well, you know, before, and, until we can pick a game, let's play Bonanza and just, you know, just get things going or, yeah. or wait for people to show up, right? So uh, yeah, that's out of those card games, there's that one. And uh, Arboretum is another one with the card games where I'm thinking, man, I, I can't I can't there's I don't see an end of me ever wanting to play that game because there's I don't think I'll ever find the end like finding the end of the Internet. <laughs> Perfect. Cool. Who's up? Uh, who's got who's got I, I have I have a category of yeah. games um, just because that's what this company or this designer has sought out to do is to give you the big game experience in a small bo- in a small box. Yeah. At a, at a relatively cheaper price point. And these are the tiny epic games. I'm so glad you brought that up. All, all the tiny epic games, their price points, I'm just I just have it up on here. They range between $25 to $30. Yeah. And what they're doing is they're offering this bigger, like tiny epic quest is kind of like a 
Legend of Zelda, like go on quests and defeat monsters and upgrade spells. Um, Tiny Epic Dinosaurs is a really great worker placement game. Um, Tiny Epic Mechs is, a, is like a miniatures battle game type of thing. And the amount of stuff that they can jam into like one of the, I don't even know what the size of those boxes are. Oh, they're like a postcard size, man. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the amount of stuff that they can do and how they design around that, that concept, um, tiny Epic pirates. I mentioned Ian before it's, it's like merchants and marauders, but they all, it's just, <laughs> in a, it's like a streamlined version of merchants and marauders and pick up and deliver and going around sailing islands. And it's just in this tiny little box bang for your buck games if you want bigger games and they they don't cost very much and they actually just because that's their that's their model the tiny epic games are really really good small box big game experience for sure yeah 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 Hmm. now that that's that's like i said that's his philosophy that's what he that's what he's aiming uh to do now some of them are definitely better than others i could probably create a top 10 list of, of 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 them but there you go. Cool. Ian. So when I one thing we can think about, I think, with with value is how how much you can play it and how variable it can be. Like the variety of times you can play it. Is it gonna be a different mm, game? Bingo. And bingo. one that yeah. comes to me to mind right away, because it's only a forty dollar game, is Dominion. Because Dominion has yeah, yeah, it's just cards, but it's cards with individual artwork on every single card from all a wide swath of artists and so art is not cheap like we have to remember that yeah you can have oh i've got this uh big soldier miniature figure and blah 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 but art is art is just as expensive even though it's just on a card it's a it's a lot of talent going into that as well so we have to remember that i think um Mm -hmm. and dominion of course all the combinations you can make because you're using 10 out of 25 cards to make up a unique situation. And so, you know, Ryan, it's 25 C 10, right? Combinations. <laughs> and, uh, and so the game is always going to play different. I'm not going to talk about expansions because you can go down a rabbit hole yeah. and, um, Norm, you're probably good at resisting this. Ryan, maybe not so much <laughs> of going down the expansion <laughs> rabbit hole. Um, but I think that if you're if you have some self control there, you could maybe just, just pick up even just one more expansion can, can add a whole lot more to the game. In Ryan's head, we can hear resistance is futile because <laughs> <laughs> this just came up at that game night where we're, we actually had a game of Dominion. Um, ahead of time and I made a mention I said I actually own Dominion but I only own base game Dominion I actually have none of the expansions yeah me everybody too. just went everybody just went oh what <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah me too right um, uh, that's, cool. a great, that's a great suggestion though that's awesome uh I want to I want to quickly come back to that pin that I put in with Prospero Hall and uh and the Funko games um the they've got this line of games that is it's it's like the it's like a nine by nine box size right and there's like villainous horrified jaws back to the future pan am uh the haunted mansions uh the, the, the fast and furious uh home alone um the, apparently the ip wonder woman these are all games that are 
under $50 or under $40. And I just picked up uh, uh, recently Pan Am, and it was, uh, I think I got it for like under $40 at Walmart, That's freakishly enough. And uh, it, I think I talked to you guys about this is, you get, this is, you get more in the box than what you paid for. And I was so pleasantly surprised, which got me to reflect back at, well, yeah, Horrified's a great game too, man. I, it's, that's, I, I play that one a lot, even solo, right? And um, yeah, it got me thinking about this this company uh, and and that that mandate, I guess, like like Tiny Epic. It has to fit in this box, and this is the price point. Go design, right? So I, I like that. I appreciate that, and I think they're. I mean, and like you said, Ryan, with Tiny Epic. There's some that I probably don't think are as good as others, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, kudos. Keep it up. It makes our ability to consume board games mm-hmm. a lot easier. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, I can't go an episode of Cardboard Conjecture without talking about Targi. <laughs> <laughs> but it, for, for, for a two-player game experience, um, Targi is a great bang for your buck it's under twenty dollars it's an under twenty dollar game it gives you the big board game feel because everything is just components or cards and some cardboard shits but you get the big board game feel it's a 45 minute game it's strategy tension back and forth um you get a big experience out of out of that out of that small game and then you can double the experience by getting the expansion which is also under twenty dollars and then you you've got you got the complete you could just play Targi all day all day long and just never play another game ever. There's huge variability in that game. There's huge variability. I argue it's got one of, it's one of the better values for it, but it, but the limited that it's a two player only game. Yeah, I think it's like for sale, like Ian, what you said, where where um, it it's easy. It's as far as worker placement, it's easy to learn and it's easy to play. Right. Yeah. And I think it does, and with like with for sale, it focused on the auction. Targi to me focuses on, on that worker placement and that and that, that uh, rank yeah. and file, kind of interconnection that you're trying to make. Yeah. Mm. All right. I got that one sitting on the shelf. I gotta get played. Oh yeah, we can go out. We can we can leave the house again. <laughs> leave the house again. Uh, I'll, I'll mention one more because I was kind of looking at like what were some good Euro games that could be considered you know get for a pretty good yeah, price yeah, yeah. and I think a company that mostly does it pretty well some of their games can be a little up there in price is uh, Days of Wonder because their production is always great mm-hmm. and I was kind of looking up prices of some of these games and Five Tribes is only like 50 50 to 55 dollars the base yeah. game yeah and Five Tribes comes with a tons of meeples it comes with awesome fun artwork it it's a great game. It's it's got lots going on in that box, and yeah, it's only fifty bucks. So, and the tons setup. of variability. Yeah, yeah tons of variability. Oh. Yeah, Five Tribes is a pretty pretty great that's Euro a, game, and it's that's a not. Good one. It's a pretty good value, yeah. I would say. I only have one more on my list. Well, sorry, I know I got others, but I want to mention this one. This one's the most expensive one on my list, but I do think that the game that it gives you is great is great value. And the amount of times you could play this, well, you're never going to play the same thing twice, kind of like five tribes and everything. Uh, the one that I'm going to talk about is Cosmic Encounter. Mm, yeah. It is a bit, is it a bit, it is a bit more. It's, it's above $60. It's around the $60 price point. 
But holy smokes, the games you're going to get out of that, the experience, like we Norm was talking about experience, the experiences you get out of playing Cosmic Encounter are, are it's, tre- it's tremendous. And the very, and simply the variability, you're never going to play. If you have a goal of playing every single alien race once, well, yeah, it's, it's going to be yeah. penny. It's, it's, it's pennies. Yeah. The, the, the dollars per play that you're going to get out of that game. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. Uh, the um the last one that I want to is more like a category to me, and it's the I, I I kind of got the title the small dose version, and uh, this what I mean by the small dose version is uh, games like Villainous. You can get the box set that has I think six of them, or you can get these the expansions where it only has two or three. And you can still play the game, but you get like a half box. Another company that does this is uh, is our, our game is Dice Throne, where you can have you know this versus and these are all games of of, of like uh, uh, a combat kind of situation. So with Dice Throne, which is a Yahtzee mechanism game, it's this person versus that person. If you want to get more, then you just get more. Uh, another one that does that is Unmatched, where they'll have. You know, uh, Red Riding Hood versus Sasquatch, right? Or they'll have, you know, this versus that, and or they'll come up with like a, uh, um, I think it's Cobble and Fog, where it's the Victorian era uh, individuals, right? So, I like these ideas of the small doses. Here's here, here's you know, if you want to do a little uh, a scrum, uh, skirmish game, here's a small dose. If you like it. Go buy the other small doses, and then you've got all the twelve sets kind of right. thing. That's a, so that's a really cool thing that they do. That they are standalone on yeah. themselves. Like you can play them by themselves. Yeah, I I actually didn't know that yeah. about those games. Yeah. So if you never, if you it's like oh unmatched. I don't know if I like it. Then go get go get you know something Sasquatch. Like I said, uh, there's they have those this versus that. Um, like villainous you, you were saying oh, i don't know if i'd like it well you know get the get the small version you know the small dose interpretation mm-hmm. so I, I like to me that is good bang for your buck getting into yeah. or test driving a certain game style or mechanism or genre yeah nice yeah there you go so do you guys feel that we've uh we've roundabout taking care of the best ba- and again we are three teachers so we're pretty frugal with our money so <laughs> so so, so these are these are master level <laughs> comments coming from yeah. yeah this has come from a guy too though i have over 300 games in my collection i had to spend money on games left right and center <laughs> but yeah, cool well, there you go. jonathan i hope we tackled this topic with some I don't know, some sort of sense. It was, at times it seems like it was rambling, but... I hope uh, we made him spend some money. <laughs> I, 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 ho- I hope he got out of this episode what he was hoping that we were going to get. Like I said, we, we, we get off the I rails ho- I hope he times. got more out of it than what he's hoping. Yeah! <laughs> I hope this was a bang for the buck episode. It's like five hours worth of content in one. Or and, no. they don't have, and they don't have to pay for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's free. <laughs> well, if uh, if Ian, do you have any wrap up? Uh... Uh, nope. I'll just say I do know that I found the cheapest game in my collection is Love Letter for eleven dollars, which is a good one. Oh. So there you go. If you only have eleven dollars, go get Love Letter. Hey. I would say I would say the cheapest one of mine is like something like uh, Star Realms. 
it's like, yeah. it's like only like it's only like fifteen dollars for like a, a small box deck box of cards. And I guess yeah. if you if you really want to think about what the best possible value you could get, a a deck of cards, right? A bicycle <laughs> deck of cards. That's it. Mind that is your blown. best value. So there you go. Go to the dollar that, store, spend a dollar, get Ian, like three packs. That is every trick decking game invented. Everything just you'll a, need. Just get, yeah, a, just get a deck, deck of cards. There you go. <laughs> so if you've gotten this far, thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Norm. I'm, I can't believe Ian didn't mention chess, Ryan. <laughs> well, you can spend a lot of money on chess, and I'm Ian. <laughs> and we'll catch you later. This has been an episode of Cardboard Conjecture, and we are Bridge City Board Gamers. And you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Board Gamers Saskatoon. You can find us on YouTube, Bridge City Board Gamers. We are also on Twitter at BC Board Gamers. And of course, Board Game Geek Guild number 3039.